What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of What the Funk, where we are tackling health, hormones, and healing without losing your damn mind. This is the first episode of 2024. Happy New Year, you guys. And this is dropping on Friday, January 5th. Um, And so, yeah, first five days into the new year, hopefully... You know, I don't necessarily think we need to come into the new year with a bang. It is winter for many of us. If you are in the Northern Hemisphere, it's still kind of a season of rest and recovery, um, but very much enjoying this kind of season of reflection and moving with more intention and less chaos, right? There seems to be sometimes the last few months of the year, just a lot of chaos and preparing for the holidays, a lot of joy for some people, maybe a little bit of stress. So what better way to start off 2024 by talking about the adrenals and managing stress better and understanding how stress is impacting you from a physiological standpoint. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about um, the impact of the adrenals, um, a pathway that is pretty common that that what people will maybe experience or one of the potential causes of adrenal fatigue um, due to chronic stress and sort of the impact of the adrenals on your sex hormones, on your thyroid, um, on just general feeling like ass on a day-to-day basis and how that all kind of ties together. So um, quick overview, adrenals 101. All right, the adrenal glands sit on the kidney and the adrenal cortex, which is the outer region as well as the largest portion of the adrenal gland, sits on top of the kidneys. This is what generates the production of cortisol. You have a stressful moment, your cortisol peaks. Um, Ideally, in a healthy individual, you're also getting a spike of cortisol in the morning. That's your cortisol awakening response, and that should account for 50% of your cortisol production for the day. So that's a pretty important spike. That's what will give us that initial alertness and that circadian rhythm, that wakefulness in the morning um, for the majority of people, um, you know, unless you're kind of an evening chronotype and that's a whole other conversation, but most people don't have the luxury of choosing that, hey, I'm a night owl, so I'm gonna be a night owl. Most of us have jobs and things that require us to be active during the day. So the goal is to kind of support that as best we can. Um, And what ends up happening is cortisol in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it's quite a necessary hormone to our overall day-to-day life. It helps with injury prevention. It helps with recovery. It helps with getting us in and out of stressful situations physiologically and psychologically. Um, And it too much is not good though. And then too little is not bad. So it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. we got to find that sweet spot of allowing that cortisol curve to kind of come up in the morning and then slowly gradually come down at night so that we were able to fall asleep and stay asleep and then wake up with alertness the next day. Okay. Now, What we're going to be talking about today is touching a little bit on adrenal fatigue as well as adrenal insufficiency, okay? So um, adrenal fatigue is where your adrenals are running too high, too hot, too long during the day. Um, Your cortisol is not effectively coming down at night um, or as the day goes on. It might stay way too elevated as the day goes on. Um, One 
uh, lab that I love to have some of my clients take is a four point saliva cortisol, um, either via just a straight up saliva test or within like a Dutch test. And that gives us a really good idea of what their cortisol curve is during four points throughout the day. That's my favorite way to kind of assess how somebody's cortisol is looking and functioning and how that pairs with how they're feeling as the day goes on. But ideally we want a spike in the morning shortly after waking, and then we want it to kind of slowly, gradually come down. Um, a lot of times what I end up seeing in individuals is either their cortisol is running too high throughout the entire day and it doesn't really come down in the afternoon or the evening, or it's completely flatlined <laughs> or nearly so. And that's what we would call adrenal insufficiency, where your body is now not creating enough cortisol because your adrenal cortex got tired. It said, no, thank you. I'm done. Have a nice day. Um, which is just as detrimental as too much cortisol, right? How does this show up within the body? Okay. This shows up with inflammation. So puffy face, achy joints, water retention. It shows up with energy management issues. So this is where you're going to be really tired. Maybe two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe you're really tired when you wake up. Maybe you're relying on caffeine kind of throughout the day. And then you're so exhausted. You're so exhausted. And then nighttime comes around and you can't fall asleep. That's that wired and tired in the PM. Um, additionally, if you're um, training consistently or you're maybe doing more high intensity workouts or you're a runner, you're going to be putting yourself at higher risk of injury within whatever your chosen activity or sport is. And that's never a good thing. Um, and this can, this high levels of cortisol being output and that could potentially lead to insufficiency um, does come from chronic stress. So this is either going to come from chronic physical stress or chronic psychological stress or a combination of both. Um, and we have to learn how to manage stress. One of the biggest struggles that a lot of my clients face when we start to identify biofeedback consistent with adrenal issues, again, you're really going to kind of mark the energy levels. Brain fog is really also um, one thing that a lot of people will deal with pretty consistently when it comes to adrenal um, fatigue and adrenal insufficiency, that foggy feeling and just not being able to really focus on anything. And with the adrenal insufficiency, we're really going to be experiencing much higher levels of fatigue and just like inability to kind of get up and do things and function on a regular basis. Um, anyway, what ends up happening is if we're constantly stressed physiologically and psychologically, but we don't have an ability or pathway to turn on our parasympathetic nervous system and get out of that fight or flight mode, that's when we start to see a lot of problems. And one of the biggest struggles that my clients face when we're trying to tackle these adrenal issues or deal with chronic stress, um, whether it might be playing a role in sex hormone imbalance or might be impacting their thyroid or might be impacting their gut health um, because it does have a downregulated, a, a downtrend effect, sort of like if your adrenals are kind of getting messed up and you're not managing stress well psychologically or physiologically, you're going to start to have issues with your digestive system, with your thyroid, with your sex hormones, things like that. And I will ask people, if you sit and do nothing – how do you feel? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel okay? Are you like antsy? Are you uncomfortable sitting and doing nothing? And that's when, when you're like, well, Elena, you're a fitness coach. What do you mean you're telling your clients to do nothing? I literally will try to prescribe my clients of, I want you to sit in silence for five minutes and just like do nothing and just exist just be in a happy little bubble. Um, it's going to be very uncomfortable and kind of great on your nerves. And, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't like this. Um, but one analogy that I presented to some of my clients even recently, and I can't take credit for this, I saw it on Instagram somewhere and it stuck with me, is rest 
is not taking your foot off the gas, it's putting fuel in the tank, right? We know we've heard rest is productive, but it really truly is so, so important when it comes to managing your adrenal health, learning how to de-stress. Likewise, I've talked about introducing hobbies, but we're gonna get into a few more um, things, especially to help specifically with like morning wakefulness um, and getting up in the morning and getting going and helping to reestablish a more healthy and natural circadian rhythm. But let's talk about why the adrenals start to downregulate your sex hormones, your thyroid, things like that. Okay, so we have this thing called pregnenolone. <laughs> and uh, it's sort of the building block. It's a precursor hormone that all of the other hormones within our body need. Um, and pregnenolone steel is a theory. It's a concept um, that diverts pregnenolone into being used more for cortisol creation when we're dealing with high levels of stress. So essentially this cortisol output is stealing pregnenolone from other areas of the body. So um, normally what would happen is pregnenolone um, is a building block for the production of cortisol, progesterone, DHEA. Um, and then what happens is with chronic stress, the body will potentially prioritize the production of cortisol, which means that there's less available for other hormones within the body. Um, and so this is where we get that concept of pregnenolone steel because it's taking it away from the other hormone pathways. And this over time can lead to potential issues with hypothyroidism, making your thyroid have to work harder to create that your TSH increases because it's trying to work harder to create more T4 to convert into T3. It's not producing as much progesterone. So you might be start to dealing with um, potential anovulatory cycles or regular cycles, more PMS, more mood swings, things like that. Um, and then for thyroid hormones, oh, I already talked about thyroid hormones. Ha, I can track my notes. Um, and so what ends up happening is over time, you find these disruptions within your menstrual health and you find these disruptions within your thyroid function. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, what's wrong with my thyroid? But it like, was it actually your thyroid or was it just that you're a stress cadet with like a gold sticker? <laughs> like you're doing such a good job at being a stress cadet, but we need to like reroute some of that anxious and nervous energy away and turn on your parasympathetic nervous system. So that way you can get out of fight or flight mode. And that way your body can make what it needs to make in order to keep you energized, balanced, happy. Um, and again, this is just a potential model. It's not necessarily like, um, like a hard medical fact here in this. It's just like, you know, one potential pathway that your body can take. However, to address this adrenal fatigue and insufficiency, it then does require, right, that holistic approach to lifestyle, nutrition, stress management, things like that. Um, and that's when we talk about, okay, now what are the strategies to manage this? Okay, first of all, beyond the fact that you need to work on managing your stress, which is easier said than done, I recognize, but you really have to have a very honest conversation with yourself of, am I creating too much chaos because I'm uncomfortable with the silence? And 
a lot of people are stressed out because they're absolutely addicted to the chaos. They don't know how to rest and quiet. They don't know how to be alone. And a lot of times what ends up coming out is there might be a scenario where you really do need to seek out the support of a mental health professional, seek therapy in order to kind of work through these strategies because as a coach, coaches are limited to what we can do from a mindset standpoint. If there really is truly underlying trauma or issues coming into play that are impacting your ability to get out of fight or flight mode. Um, and then you can, some, you can use a lot of those strategies alongside your coaching. Um, one of my favorite things is working with clients who are in therapy because we can sort of bridge the gap between their therapy practices and their therapy homework and then what we're doing together in a coach client situation um, to help you know, regulate their body and improve their physical health while they're also improving their mental health. But let's talk about some other strategies. Um, so meal timing. This is actually one of my favorite strategies to help reduce circadian stress um, because there is a direct link between our circadian rhythm and our meal windows because your body wants to be regulated on a 24-hour clock and it is influenced by external cues, right? Meal timing being one of those. And so essentially your metabolism is following that circadian rhythm. And if your cortisol is not following that, well, we have to kind of prime the body to get it back on track. So adjusting eating windows and meal timing to be more in line with your sleep-wake cycles could have a positive impact. And in fact, it almost always does. I don't think, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which I had somebody leverage this strategy and it didn't help. And um, the basics of it are we're eating some kind of well-balanced meal. When I say well-balanced, I'm meaning we have protein, we have carbs, we have fiber. Within an hour of waking, we're not skipping breakfast. We're getting a really balanced meal. We're waiting to have caffeine at least an hour after waking. And we're not having our final meal within like an hour of going to bed. We're usually saying, okay, let's have whatever your final meal for the day is at least three hours before you plan to go to sleep. So that way we're not bringing the body back online as you're trying to get into this rest mode because disruptions to this circadian rhythm via irregular eating patterns or eating too late at night can compound on circadian stress, which does impact your cortisol levels, right? Um, uh, and so another strategy for this too is doing like a time restricted feeding window where you eat specifically, uh, between like certain hours of the day. Um, it's not the same as intermittent fasting and depending on what somebody's work schedule is, we might do eating windows, um, to accommodate for when they have to be awake and alert, like, especially if somebody's on an irregular schedule. Um, and so that's one of my favorite strategies. Um, and the optimal eating window does kind of vary between individuals, um, lifestyle, like I said, work schedules, as well as personal preference do come into play here, but it's a really great strategy for reducing circadian stress and supporting your adrenal health. Um, another strategy that I really, really love, and I've actually been researching it more just for my own um, knowledge and kind of creating more of an arsenal for my own clients of resources and recommendations is leveraging light therapy. Um, it's, you know, I'm sure that you've heard people say, influencers say, people who work from home say, and not to knock anybody that works from home, but like 
me telling myself who works completely from home and makes their own schedule, does not have children to go outside and stand in the sunshine for 10 minutes in the morning. That doesn't work for the majority of people that I work with because y'all have like different types of jobs that mean that you have to report to a specific place at a certain time. You don't have the luxury to kick off your shoes and go stand outside in the sunshine for 10 minutes when the sun starts coming up. However, we can still use light therapy to help regulate the circadian rhythm um, using like a sad lamp or additional blue light exposure early in the morning. Now, natural light is obviously going to be the best, um, but using like a side lamp as you're getting ready in the morning. Um, so like a light box, uh, using even like a gradual wake up alarm clock could be really beneficial as it slowly kind of mimics the sunrise. This is really great, especially during like the winter months when, um, the sun is down <laughs> usually when most people are waking up and then also by exercising in the morning, if you can. So like, can we get in some movement first thing in the morning? And then conversely, we also want to try to avoid this artificial light in the evening. So minimizing that exposure to artificial light. We've, I've talked about blue light and the impact. It, it negates your melatonin production, which is the inverse of uh, uh, cortisol. And so we need melatonin to rise in order to help cortisol be on its natural, normal schedule. So reducing blue light exposure at night is really beneficial. And then trying to contain and maintain a consistent sleep schedule. Um, this is not so much an issue for people during the days that they're working, but the days that they're off. Um, I was talking with one of my clients and um, we're, she just recently started with me. And one of the things that we're really focusing on right now is just getting into the gym twice a week getting her to eat breakfast, like that's not just like a bar or like a scoop of protein powder first thing in the morning. She's actually been prepping her breakfast and we're really focusing in on that. We're about to start to increase her meal prep skills, focusing on keeping her kitchen kind of clear and free of clutter. But one of the things we talked about um, now going into this coming weekend for her is I asked her, I said, hey, now on the weekends, on your days off, because she works Monday through Friday, do you sleep in super late on the weekends? And she's like, yeah, like three hours. I'm like, all right, we're going to start to scoot this up. Uh, can you wake up an hour earlier? So no more than two hours sleeping in. And as soon as you wake up, I want you to go for a walk outside for like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And she, and I was, she was just like, my first response is that feels gross. But my second thought is I actually probably need to do this. And it really doesn't sound that hard. And it's part of helping us maintain that consistent sleep schedule, even on your days off. So a lot of people will get a day off and they're tempted to sleep and catch up on sleep. And that can really wreck you though, for the upcoming week, you're much better off maintaining a consistent sleep schedule than constantly trying to catch up on sleep because the inconsistent sleep schedule is going to be more detrimental to your overall circadian rhythm and your cortisol production than just waking up within an hour of when you would normally wake up on your days off. So like for me, for example, I'm usually getting up um, around 4.35 a.m. and then I go to the gym in the morning. Again, you guys are probably thinking, Elena, you can make your own schedule and you still wake up at this ungodly hour to go work out. Yes, I do because I run my own business and I need to be able to work during regular business hours when people are online. <laughs> so I keep a regular schedule. I, you know, I go to the gym, I get home, I get ready and I clock in for work between like seven and eight o'clock and I clock out around like five or six, like 
it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Like, just because I can make my own schedule doesn't mean I can just dink around all day long. Um, I'm actually working, like, legit full-time working. Anyway, that's another story. But I wake up at, like, 4.30 during the weekdays. And so this means on Saturdays and Sundays, when I'm not working, because I do take the weekends off, I am out of office on the weekends, I'm waking up at 6 a.m., like, at the latest. It's a miracle if I sleep past 6.30 because I've trained myself to keep a consistent wake schedule. So again, if I'm getting up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. and then the latest I'm sleeping in on the weekends is 6 a.m., that's a pretty good schedule for me throughout the week. I'm not like sleeping an excess amount and then throwing off my sleep schedule because I was trying to quote unquote catch up on sleep later on in the week, right? And so that's really beneficial too. Um, And then the third strategy I really want to talk with you guys about is the strategy of managing movement intensity. Now, um, I was actually just a guest. Um, I got it. I was interviewed today for a podcast for one of the coaches that I work with. Um, I work with her in the capacity of ghost coaching. So she is a macro based coach, um, who wanted to just get a better understanding of some common issues that people come in the door with, especially when they don't know that they have issues, right? Sometimes people don't realize that maybe their issues are being driven by hormone imbalance, or they have a lot of digestive issues that they've just sort of normalized. And so working with her to kind of build that skill set that's specific to the population that she works with. And she had me on the podcast today, we were talking about common issues that I see in general, and we were talking about adrenals. And we were talking about movement intensity, and how to address movement intensity from the perspective of Um, if you're a sedentary individual dealing with adrenal adaptations versus are you a very active individual dealing with adrenal adaptations? I have, um, one of my clients is an Olympic lifting coach and she got her cortisol tests and her cortisol was like non-existent. It was like completely flat. Um, when we got her Dutch test back and she was training CrossFit like three to four days a week plus coaching. And that's very different from somebody who is, pretty sedentary. It doesn't get a lot of steps in during the day and also has adrenal insufficiency, right? Their cortisol is also flatlined. So we have to take this from two different perspectives. So if you're somebody who's a little more sedentary, or if you have a client who's a little bit more sedentary, you have to consider that exercise in this situation is probably going to be a positive stressor. And what we want to do is we want to start setting some goals, maybe for NEAT, so non-exercise activity first, for a few weeks, getting just general movement up because this person is probably also very emotionally and mentally stressed. They might be dealing with a little bit of anxiety and depression and getting them up, moving, walking around is going to one, improve their energy levels, but two, it's also probably going to improve their mood. And then um, as, then you can kind of slowly increase their steps. And then as you start seeing that positive biofeedback and their energy increasing, then you could start to get some resistance training in a couple days a week, but we're not going to go harder, go home in the gym four to five days a week quite yet. We're talking like at home workouts. Let's get some resistance bands or if they are going to the gym, we're taking a very easy, like two days, full body push, full body pull. We're not training for any longer than 40 minutes. We're not going hard on our PE. We're just establishing a routine and giving the body an outlet for exercise. that's going to support reducing physiological stress. Exercise will raise cortisol levels, but it will also make your body more efficient at bringing them back down. So again, we're kind of training the body to bring the adrenals back online Um, or at least function more effectively 
um, and efficiently than they maybe are right now versus somebody who's a more high level athlete. And like, I've got both of, of these people sort of on the spectrum on my roster. I'm working with people that maybe don't even work out right now to people that have been used to training and weightlifting and done powerlifting for several, several years. Full disclosure, I'm not a powerlifting coach or an Olympic lifting coach. And I have colleagues that excel in those training areas and I will usually outsource the training and I sort of have them on retainer to make sure that I'm not missing a beat with my clients training um, in that respect, because I, I know when to stay in my lane. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. I'm just, I know when to stay in my lane, but I have these more, what I would consider intermediate to advanced athletes that are dealing with adrenal issues. And rather than completely tanking them and just posting on me, um, we're going to take them and say, okay, instead of doing this really high intensity workout four to five days a week, I'm going to put you on a more moderate like two to three day split in the gym. And we're not going for intensity from this perspective. We're just going for consistency and we're going to monitor your energy levels to see if this is hindering or hurting you. And then we're on the off days going to incorporate some yoga because they already have a routine in place. It's just about adjusting what are they doing during that time that they normally allot for their high intensity training, scaling it back, and the reason we do that first versus totally pulling training is because if you take somebody who's used to lifting five days a week in the gym and you take that completely away from them and you say, just get steps, that sometimes is the move we have to make, but it's not usually the most beneficial for their mental health. Um, and it doesn't make them excited. And so we kind of have to balance what's optimal for the client from a physiological perspective versus what's optimal for them from a whole person perspective, because people we have to put people before protocols, right? So we have to kind of take into consideration. So if you're lifting like 45 minutes or more, four or five days a week, we're going to go maybe three days a week, working 30 to 35 minutes and doing walks and yoga the other days a week. And if you're absolutely doing nothing, we're going to just start getting you some meat, getting in some steps on a daily basis. And then once you get that down, we're going to increase to maybe two low intensity, full body days in the gym over the course of the week or even with an at-home workout, right? And so those are kind of my my top down, like things that we need to consider for managing adrenal stress. Again, quite apt coming off of the holidays, going into the new year. And I just want to make you guys aware that just because it's a new year doesn't mean that you have to have everything figured out. We Again, it, some people love the new year because it is a chance to reset. And, and I'm not going to lie. I typically have totally shot on like the new year's resolution gig. Um, I kind of am using this year also for myself as a reset. It started on a Monday, which made me very happy. I am a planner girl. I love my paper planners. And so, and I'm a Monday start planner. So the fact that my notebook started on a Monday for the first week of the year made me very, very happy. But however, I also am very much aware that we are still in winter. We are still in a time of rest. It is still dark a lot during the day. And as we start to kind of come into spring, that's when we can kind of bring up the intensity. So don't feel like you need to go hard or go home right now. Let yourself be reflective. Let yourself be considerate of yourself and maybe use this first quarter of the year more for reflection, more for planning. And then as the sunlight starts to kick up, as we start to get more energy, as you know things warm up going into the spring, that's when we can kind of pick up the pace a little bit. So don't feel like you have to have it all sorted out just because it's the beginning of the month, right? Time is a social construct. <laughs> anyway, um, that is what I have for you guys today. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love if you took a little screenshot, right? Take a little screenshot 
can go and tag me on Instagram, share it to your stories. Let me know if this was helpful for you. If you have a question about anything that I talked about in this podcast that you want me to maybe expand upon in a later date, I literally will take requests for podcast topics and questions for people to answer in my Instagram DMs. And if you DM me, yes, you will be talking to me directly. Um, so feel free to go drop those requests into the DMs. I would love to take this into consideration for you guys. Anyway, that is my take on adrenal health, slightly different than what we've done before, but hopefully you've had some really good solid takeaways and maybe got learned a thing or two about how the body works and how those systems work and maybe took a couple of takeaways either for your own implementation or for your clients programming as well. All right. Peace out. You guys catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.